hip-hop, arguably the rawest form of storytelling. From DJ Cool Herc's back-to-school jam in 1973 all the way up to the present day, what started as an entirely underground genre hybrid has morphed into the most popular and captivating form of music today. Over time, many artists have told their lives and bared their souls for the masses. We're here to shed some light on this rich lineage of creators. This is Hip Hop History. Shaw alongside Logan Fricks and we're back with another episode. We had a lot of fun doing that first episode over ASAP Rocky and we're here to keep this thing going. Fricks, how's it going? Pretty good. Just excited to get back in the flow. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, we'll we'll get right into our next artist that we'll cover, Joey Badass. Joey Badass, born Javon Virginie Scott. On January 20th, 1995, in the East Flatbush section of Brooklyn, New York, he was born to a Caribbean family, a Jamaican on his father's side, and his mother is from St. Lucia. Raised in Bed-Stuy, went to Edward R. Murrow School to become an actor, but then took up rapping around freshman year of high school. He started rapping under the name J-O-V, and around that time, around the age of 11, he started writing rhymes and poems. During his high school years, he formed this collective that has actually became pretty popular in the last few years, Pro Era, with CJ Fly, Capital Steez, RIP, and Powers Pleasant. He really kind of took off when he uploaded a freestyle to YouTube, which was reposted by World Star Hip Hop, and noticed by a man by the name of Johnny Shipes, who was the president of Cinematic Music Group and would later become his manager, kind of helped Joey get his foot in the door in the music business. He's had an interesting road to where he's at right now. He famously turned down Jay-Z's offer to sign to Rock Nation in December 2012. He even cites a story that Jay-Z told him once where when Jay-Z was signing with Def Jam, he, he was sitting across the table from Russell Simmons and thought, I don't want to be signed to this dude, I want to be this dude. So that's why he um, turned him down. He's obviously a 2013 XXL freshman. And he's even gotten back into acting recently in 2017 with a recurring role in iRobot, a thing that he's wanted to do since the age of eight. But Joey Badass, he definitely has brought back the boom bap, if you will, um, back into hip-hop. His influences are Nas, Tupac, Biggie, Black Thought, MF Doom, Jay Dilla, Three Stacks, Jay-Z. Really a good mix of the, the old and the new. Fricks, but first off, when did you first hear about Joey Badass? Hear about him was probably... I think the first song I ever heard about him was... Uh, on one train with ASAP Rocky as we discussed last week I think that's the first time I actually heard it heard him started off I didn't really listen to him like it was just there are a couple songs that he was featured on and so I would listen to those but then he released All American Badass and I remember what really got me into it was just super late exactly how I was with ASAP Rocky <laughs> last year actually freshman year first semester my teacher played him in class. You're, you're actually in that class. 
You were in really? the journalism class that we had first semester last oh, year. Oh, okay. Gotcha. And Land of the Free came on. Yeah, J101. She, she always played songs. Shout out Carrie Benson. Yes. She always played songs to start class, and Land of the Free was one of them. And I was sitting next to one of my friends in that class, and... That wasn't me at that yeah, point. Yeah, he actually left that class later, so that's when I started sitting by you guys. But, uh, <laughs> anyways, we were listening to it, and, like, it just started playing, and he started getting into it, and, like, we looked at each other, like, oh, my God, like, this guy's good. Oh, so you hadn't heard that song. No, I, I had gotcha. never, okay. I had listened to, like, a little bit of Joey Badass. Because that album dropped in April of last year. Yes. Gotcha, so it had been out for a little while. So, I, I was very late to the Joey Badass train, but, I mean, once it like once it started i mean it it was rolling i love joey badass now like a year later he's probably one of my top five artists that's how big i mean it's really interesting because just pure talent wise and the stuff that he talks about and just the way he goes about his business it is really surprising to me outside of the fact that he started super underground starting pro era and all that it really is surprising to me that he's not as big as a guy like Kendrick. Honestly, they they kind of are both similar in the fact that Kendrick has never been shy about paying homage to, to the guys that came before him, M or Hove or any guys on the West Coast, Dre, Snoop. But Joey's the same way, and they're both, they're both incredible lyricists. They both have incredible catalogs. Honestly, I would be willing to put Joey Badass's catalog up against anybody in rap right now. I could say that, too, just because... I, I mean, mean, I think Kendrick, some people could argue he has three classics. I don't know if I could say that yet because Damn is still fairly fresh. But, I mean, Joey has three incredible, it, or good to incredible projects. I think Kendrick has three classics, and that's not even including Damn, to be honest. Oh, you're going but Section 80. Yes, okay. sir. Section 80 you. was glorious but um i i'd be okay saying that too i mean he started off in 1999 was a phenomenal mixtape and then maybe at the age of 17 so that's what gets me at 17 years old this guy dropped an album that was or i guess a mixtape that was probably one of the best mixtapes we've heard in a while it's it's definitely up there i mean it sounds like a fully realized project it honestly probably could have been an album just the production and the lyricism and the features are great. I would be willing to put 1999 up against a lot of people's albums the nowadays. Only, the only discredit I would give 1999, and like I, like like we were saying, he's 17 years old. You know, like I don't blame him for this, but it uses quite a bit of sampling. It, but it I think that was that was the goal, though, yeah. because like, one I'm of the, not I'm not hating on him for it. Yeah, and I honestly. Sampling and hip hop are almost synonymous at this mm -hmm. point. Like the the genre really was formed on sampling, mm -hmm. and sampling has created some of the greatest songs of all time in the genre. But yeah, I mean that's a great transition into the, his first project, 1999, released on June 23rd, 2012. It was named the best mixtape of 2012 by Hip Hop DX, and really just caught fire underground. It was one of the last mixtapes kind of in that in the shift from the mid 2000s to the early 2010s kind of as you mentioned he he really focused on sampling he even said that he loved to hear some beats without the original artists on it just to kind of get a feel for what he wanted to listen to there were a lot of mf doom instrumentals that he was messing with that steez put him on to and yeah he just really wanted to sample and pay homage 
to the past. 1999, obviously, is the last year of the decade of the 90s that a lot of people think is the golden era of hip-hop, or at least the tail end of that. And so he kind of wanted to pay homage that way. This is, like we said, a really good project, and we can go through the track listing here. It starts out with Summer Nights right away. We're giving shout-outs to Biggie and Jay-Z. Um, it was actually the last record that he made on the project. At the end of when he was looking back on, on Project right before it released, he was realizing that he needed an intro, and he wanted to make something that really stuck with people, and he asked fellow pro-era member Chuck Strangers to put on a beat, and the first one that Chuck put on, he said that was the intro, and they went with it. This was just a really nice way to start off the project. It was the first song I've heard on the project as well. I don't know, it was just like, it's actually kind of surprising because I didn't know it was the last song that he made. So being that, it's pretty interesting to me because I think it's one of the more underappreciated songs on the mixtape, to be honest. I think that it's a great way to kind of introduce people to the vibe of what he's going for. He's definitely putting lyricism first and kind of just showing up and telling people that he's on the scene now, if you will. And yeah, it's just it's just a really nice intro to the project and kind of really is a good tone setter for what is to come. And the very next song has made some waves in hip hop. The name of the track is Wave. The beat was borrowed from Freddie Joe Kim. He even uses a, a Tupac interview sample in the middle of the song. Talks a lot about, again, just kind of coming up in the rap game and even how some people have told him to not be so complex and basically kind of telling people what he feels and how he feels about the state of rap and what he wants to accomplish. And he even called it in an interview with Rob Markman on, on his show on Genius Off the Record, he kind of calls it a manifest destiny type of song because he's talking about a lot of things that he wants to accomplish, whether it's with family stuff, in the rap game, wealth, what have you. He's accomplished all of that, or if, if not all of that, most of that. And it's really kind of a prophetic song if you will and one of his more popular songs even j cole later sampled it on his song false prophets um which we'll get to some more j cole later but fricks this this is a really just a quality song you said that so i think that's so funny because literally yesterday i figured out that false prophets is a sample of this song you did literally know that yesterday well like, that i'm not even kidding well the reason um Part of the reason that uh, J. Cole got that, so Cole talked to Joey about the beat because he was really liking what Joey was doing, and to return that favor, he gave him the legendary feature that, on All wow. American Badass. That's actually really, that's really neat. I love the relationship between them two because they're both some of my favorite. J. Cole is probably my favorite artist, second, third. He's right there. I mean, he's definitely up there for you. But, um, yeah, Waves, I mean, I just really love the vibe of this track. It's a really smooth instrumental. It's good lyricism and just an all-around track. I think that this is definitely one of the staples of Joey Badass's career and definitely one of the songs that I would point to if somebody wants to get into Joey Badass. It was kind of one of the first songs, that I'd say, that helped launch his career. Mm -hmm. Like, I think Waves was one of those songs. Mm-hmm. And then um, we go on late, later into the mixtape. From the tunes to Chuck Stranger, it's just, it's it's really just a nice song. Real huge um, boom bap feel to this one. Great beat from Chuck Strangers. I love this line, click clack boom, resurrect and boom bap from the tombs. Um, great line. But then the next track is really one of the tracks. If you're gonna talk about something that put Joey onto the mainstream, 
he released a music video for this next track, Survival Tactics, featuring Capital Steez, that just shot him up into the stratosphere in the mainstream, millions of views on YouTube, and A, just a great music video, but B, um, just an all-around great song. Steez has an incredible verse, um, even throws some shots at Little B, some playful shots there. They borrowed a beat from the Styles of Beyond track of the same name. Um, at times, Joey borrows a, a Biggie flow. But again, this is just a hard-hitting track and really, again, one of one of the better songs in his catalog so far. Definitely. Like I ju we just said that Waze was one of the songs that helped launch his career. Survival tactics on this album is really what launched his career. I mean, Waze was kind of there to support it, but this song just phenomenal. I mean, Joey Badass just... He was not playing around uh, on this on this mixtape. To be honest, he wasn't playing around. And on this song, I just can't get over the fact that he was 17 years old when he made this. I mean, it's just it's absolutely ridiculous to me. I'm not even gonna lie. I can't believe somebody so young. <laughs> you, you, like you know what I mean, though. I like, mean, yeah, it really is. And he and I love how he's so sure of himself. He even says in the song, "We got him going pe nuts like the elephants. Throw him in a trunk if they hate, though. We don't give a f as long as we collect our pay." So, like, he really sounds a lot older and I guess mature in his rapping than a lot of people were at the age of seventeen, or are at the age of seventeen. And he just really shows in this one that he can, he can hang in a hard hitting track. He can go from a smooth smoother song like waves to more of a aggressive track on survival tactics and really just hold his own he even knew that this song was just gonna explode and i think it really being capitalists being on it i think it was it really supported the growth of the pro era group i mean like are this mixtape really launched the group's i'd say careers i think it kind of put them on the map but this song itself i think really really put the entire group out there. And then next song, Kaluminati, again featuring Capital Steez. Honestly, I think this may be my favorite track on the mixtape, which is, I guess, a hot take, I don't know. But um, it's it's just another great song. Joey has another another great verse. I love, I love the line, my lyrical span is what fans are demanding. Um, just some great wordplay there. Um, some great uh, Big Daddy Kane shout-outs and Pac shout-outs. And Steez's verse is a verse that some other people may have heard on a song called Audiopium off the project Nick and Knight, which is Nick Caution and Kirk Knight's um, collaborative project, which Steez's verse from this song was used a cappella at the end of that track. But um, again, just great lyricism overall, and I, I just love this beat. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's, it's my favorite song on the album, but I do see like where you're coming from. I, I wouldn't say it's too much of a hot take i can see where you're coming from honestly my favorite song on the album is probably like i'm not I'm, I, I don't want you to take this like i'm trying to one-up you or like anything like like please don't take it that way but like my favorite song on the album is probably less popular that's obviously fair. i i can't be upset with you for liking this like i can see where you're coming from like it's a great song yeah it is honestly when i was listening to this song he has a joey has a line that says better watch it mr nice watch don't risk that i straight up thought that was a shot at j cole at first because obviously cole's song mr nice watch but i mean with further investigation that could not be farther from the truth i think that was more of just a shout out than a diss but again joey just is is coming on another aggressive track and 
really just through this this sequencing of these of these few tracks in the middle of the project is really kind of more aggressive even to the next one um hard knock featuring cj fly which was named the number three best song of 2012 on the rap genius top 100 this is definitely one of the more popular songs on the album and going back to earlier when we talking about manifest destiny songs there is a is a hook that both joey and cj fly about having a wife and kids someday which joey obviously has a daughter now but yeah again just another solid track on this one going to world domination penny royal cool thing about penny royal it's well first it's an mf doom instrumental of the same name which anytime you can infuse mf doom into anything i'm a fan of it please if you haven't listened to mad villainy go listen to it it's <laughs> him him and mad libs collaborative album but Again, he kind of Joey kind of describes it as the, his first time going through heartbreak and giving it kind of a dark, twisted spin. And these next few songs, in this stretch here with Penny Royal, Funky Hose, and Daily Routine, that that's just kind of the more lighter side of Joey Badass. He's talking more about um, more playful songs. Maybe you could. He even mentions that Funky Hose could be a song that you could play in the club if you want. Daily Routine was the first song he didn't use a pen to write with. Um, kind of just went off the top, like a, a Biggie, Jay-Z, Lil Wayne style of recording there. But no, this is definitely um, the more more playful part of the project, and I'm a fan of it. You started talking about Penny Roller. That's probably my favorite song on the album, to mm-hmm. be honest. I just, I kind of like how it kind of puts, uh, like you were talking about, it kind of puts a little bit of a turn on the, on the mixtape. So like when you're playing it in order, like it's kind of, it's not like a big change, but like there is a change, like you, you notice... So I I really like that, and then you're talking about the MF Doom part. I mean, I, I just, I love it. Like, I, I love the production on that song, to be honest. And I said earlier that the only discredit for this album is the sampling, but, like, the product, like, he does a great job of using those samples to his benefit, and it's not, like, working against him, I wouldn't say. I think that even though this song is heavily sampled, Pro Era is cool as a collective because they have such great production from the likes of Chuck Stranges and Kirk Knight, which have even branched out to record or produce for other guys. Kirk Knight, most recently one of his bigger songs, he, he was the producer for Plain Jane for ASAP Ferg. The, the production on this album throughout, or this mixtape rather, is one of the highlights for me. And just the fact that Joey can switch from a smoother track talking about the ladies to some hard-hitting F the haters type of thing, and it, and it all feels cohesive at the same time. Kind of like what I mentioned earlier, this 1999 project was really cool in the fact that some mixtapes, or even some albums, honestly, at this point, are kind of just a more of a collection of songs instead of uh, maybe a cohesive story. This isn't necessarily a cohesive story, but at the same time, it kind of tells Joey's come up, where he's at, even at the young age of 17. But also, it feels like a cohesive project in the way that all the songs feel like they belong there. The style doesn't really seem to change how he kind of like is throwing it back to the golden age of hip-hop obviously and then i love that although i do like seeing artists like i don't like artists that make like practically the same album over and over like Mm -hmm. i love it when people's style changes i also do love to see like cohesive albums and albums that like if you have one album and just everything is different now sometimes that can work out for you and sometimes like it's great but there's just so many artists that it's just not working, and this album isn't isn't like that. Like everything works in unison. Also, like you were saying, like there isn't like one common 
story that's going out throughout like a say like to pimp a butterfly like there's one story happening throughout the whole album this isn't like that but like like you were saying it does still kind of put together a story just how he came yeah and i think that obviously i don't love every track on the on the mixtape but at the same time at 15 15 tracks i don't feel like there is one track that he kind of took off and and by what i mean by that is I don't feel like there are any filler tracks on this mixtape. I think that they all have a place in um, the the story of Joey Badass, if you will. And as we move on later, Don't Front, another track of CJ Fly, another song about the ladies, Righteous Minds, another solid track, Where It's At, the kind of introduction of Kirk Knight. And then the final track on the mixtape, Suspect, which features the entirety of Pro Era at that time, Capital Steez, CJ Fly, Chuck Strangers, Diamond Lewis, Nick Caution, Kirk Knight, Rock Mouth, Tina Apex, and Desi Hines. Um, it's based on the Nas track of the same name, which Suspect by Nas was on his sophomore release. It was written, not my favorite posse cut, but I still love Joey's verse at the end with God made three bigs, two pocs, and one era. Um, obviously referring to Biggie Smalls, Big L, Big Pun, Tupac, and then the era, pro era. But a nice way to end the tra- end the uh, mixtape, which I think has been done multiple times, um, having a posse cut to kind of round out the whole project. Fricks, what do you think of the way that this project was ended? Um, I think that's probably my favorite part of this song, is the fact that it's all a pro era. So like throughout the mixtape, like it kind of introduces everyone, and then it kind of finishes off with, like, this is everyone on one side. So I, I really, I like that. And like I was saying, like the mixtape itself kind of like, Pro Era, like, had stuff to be prior to this mixtape, but this mixtape really, like, launched all of their careers, I think. And without it, we might not know who Pro Era is, and I think this that's how important this mixtape was for them as a group. Yeah, and um, even Joey has mentioned about this track. It basically just got them all in a studio, and they all, they all wrote, wrote some verses out real quick and recorded it, and... The cool thing about Pro Era that Joey's mentioned, it almost has like a Wu-Tang vibe in the fact that they all are gunning for each other. It's friendly competition. They're all coming with their hardest verses, and it's just really cool to see that. And one thing I wanted to touch on before we move on here is Capital Steez. Obviously, shortly after this project was released, Steez um, passed and committed suicide. And it's really obviously sad for the, uh, for the obvious reasons of someone passing, but also... Steez is a guy that just had a lot of potential. We wouldn't even have Joy Badass without Capital Steez, and that's just a fact. Um, and he's a guy that was a good lyricist, had great vision for the group, and it's just really sad to see him go so early. Yeah, um, it's kind of crazy because, I mean, he, like you were saying, like he started Pro Era. Like, everyone's, like, Joey Badass is credited as one of the founding members, but, like, Steez started pro era like he is the founder and i think that without him being there ever we probably wouldn't even know who any of these guys are to be honest and he played a huge role in i'd imagine all of their lives i mean he kind of like changed the career path for all of them i'd say well i mean the really sad thing is about hip-hop is that this is almost a trend you could look at numerous examples whether it's proof and eminem in their d12 days or an asap yans as we mentioned on the last podcast or a capital steez or even a pimp c with ugk it's just 
some of these guys are just just leaving us too early and it really sucks and hurts the genre and it can even negatively affect the artists that are still here where Eminem relapsed into his drug addiction after Proof died in 2006 and Joey really hit some hard times after Steve's passed and even I feel like we should mention this at some point that the beef between Troy Ave and Joey Badass in the fact that Troy Ave to say the least did not really allow them time to mourn and it was taking shots at um at Joey Badass and Pro Era and the fact that he didn't agree or um he he thought it was um less sad somehow that he committed suicide and all this stuff they're taking shots at each other left and right Joey Badass um took some shots back at Troy Ave on a freestyle on Sway um Troy Ave had a diss track named Badass they're back and forth some people came to the aid of Joey Badass, rightfully so. Just a kind of a weird time and a weird uh, footnote, if you will, in Joey's career. It's kind of uh, kind of messed up to throw beef at someone or throw shade at someone for something like that. Well, the reasoning like was just that. so stupid. Like, like, that's pretty messed up. But uh, I think Steve's passing away also, I don't want to say it was a good thing. Like, it's not a good thing. I don't. I don't think it is a good thing, but I do think that there are some positive things that happened in Joey's career, and I think that like without him passing, you know, there would be it, his career would be completely different. But at the same time, like I think that in some ways that death can be there's value to it, and like it it really helps artists, I think, grow and mature, honestly. And I I think that things that like like the Biggie and Pac thing, like. Without them passing, they're not talked about the same way that they are. I'm not saying that their death is a good thing, but I'm saying that their legacy is completely different, and I think that there is some value in in death, honestly. Well, and also there are guys like a Big L or a Big Pun that um, had even shorter, I mean, honestly, really shorter careers than Biggie and Tupac did. Mm -hmm. But do you think that... Um, their legacies, say a Tupac or a Biggie, Big L, Pun, whatever you want to, whoever you want to point out, um, do you think their legacies would change at all if they had um, obviously lived longer and just created more content? Yes. Be I, Besides I, the obvious, they would have made more music. <laughs> yeah, like I think that in many many ways that death kind of um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like people when when you pass away, that's when people really truly start to listen. And like listen to what you're saying because like they're trying to like remember everything that you're talking about and like it's kind of like a remembrance thing. So I think as that in like the Biggie Biggie song on Life After Death, you're nobody till somebody kills you. Exactly, and you know? that like I think that's the biggest impact that death has in hip hop music is that it kind of like I honestly hate to say it, but it kind of in a way launches your career further. Like XXX passing away a few a few months ago so many more people started listening i like i didn't even realize it until like probably a few weeks later but so many more people started listening to him after he passed and that's just one example of how it does kind of like push your career forward i, w I was actually like really upset when x passed away because he had in my opinion a ton of potential other people might disagree but uh, anyways like it is a good thing in specific ways I, w I don't know if I'd go as far to say that it's good, but the fact that um, it can bring more attention to the discographies or the artwork that they created. Tupac and Biggie passed when they were in their mid-20s. Um, Big L is the same way. But 
it's interesting because I wish, I mean, obviously this is, I'm sure what most people wish, that these people would have gotten the, the recognition and the attention when they were alive still. But at the same time, it is cool to kind of go back and um, kind of see what they did create and what they did release. But Joey went on to release two more mixtapes, Rejects later in 2012, kind of just some cuts off 1999 that, um, or some cuts that didn't make 1999. And then Summer Nights, um, released on July 1st, 2013. This is the first project after Steve's passed. This project is is okay to me, um, whether you talk about the Summer Nights full-length mixtape or the Summer Nights EP released later that year in October. There are some standout tracks on here. We obviously have more production from Kirk Knight on Aloha, which the op- which has an opening sample um, from Queen of Queen Latifah's speech from Juice. Um, Hilary Swank, My Ute, featuring Maverick Saber, which kind of goes into more of Joey's Jamaican roots, which whenever he does that, I'm, I'm a fan of it. The real standout track to me is Un- Unorthodox, which he gets, a, he gets on a primo beat and just kills it. He even later samples some of that for um, Paper Trails, which is one of the standout tracks from his debut album, which we'll get to later. And then 95 to Infinity, which is obviously based on the, the classic song 93 to Infinity. Another super aggressive track from Joey that he's brought out multiple times. Fricks, what are some tracks on this mixtape or this project that stand out to you? Uh, Unorthodox, definitely. I think it being the closing song on the album, the very last song, it, like when the closing song is very good, I think it ends up becoming great just because it's the last song in the album and it kind of like finishes everything up. But that's my favorite song on the album. He also released it as a single, which is rightfully so because I think it's a great song. A lot of people think really, really like 95 Till Infinity. I personally, not a huge fan of it. I mean, the the lyricism is very, very good. I don't know. It's just kind of the start to the song I'm not, I'm not really a big fan of. And then, I don't know, it's just, I could never really get into it. This whole album as a whole, it's hard to get into, I think. Unorthodox is a song that I think everyone should needs to listen to. And you honestly should listen to 95 Till Infinity. Like I said, the lyricism is very good. And I wasn't as big of a fan of it as 1999. It kind of, it didn't seem like a step back, but it wasn't a step forward either. It was a project that definitely felt more like a collection of songs. Obviously, I think that, which that isn't necessarily a bad thing, but he did have other um, standout tracks like... um, Sit and Pray is a popular single, obviously Long Live Stilo. Definitely not my favorite Joey project, but at the same time, I think that it did it did its job in kind of continuing the path that Joey was on, served as a, I think, a solid intro to um, his, his debut album. I think that that really is the role that it serves, and if we look at it from that perspective, I think it really yeah. accomplished its job. Because, honestly, at the end of the day, that's what you kind of have to look at with our work, in my opinion. Sure, there are different types of artwork, whether you talk about a, a painting, a movie, a album. Um, you really have to look at it from the way of what, what mission was it trying to accomplish with this. Not everything is going to be this classic, make you, make you think, make you reconsider, some existential whatever. But at the same time, this mixtape uh, served a purpose. And again, it kind of just goes back to the whole thing of hip-hop right now. And the fact that people can't seem to get over the fact that 
there are different levels of hip hop right now. And you even go back to the surprise album that Eminem dropped over this past weekend, Kamikaze, and he is just he's going off about how he doesn't want to be a hater, but he's still he's still talking talking mad ish at um, Lil Pump and all the little little whatevers, um, and just the fact that they're ruining hip hop. And at the same time, I even tweeted this out that at one point. Eminem was the weird guy on the block. He was the guy with the different sound. Slim Shady, that was it. My name, my name is like that. That's a weird song, especially for the time that it came out in like the late '90s. Like Slim Shady LP, Marshall Mathers LP. I mean, that was different stuff. I'm sure like the horrorcore stuff kind of had started a little bit earlier with like um, Ghetto Boys and stuff like that. But um, at the same time, he was a weird. I mean, he he came up in a strange way but at the same time everybody accepted him and now Eminem is looked at as one of the top five MCs of all time and so at the end of the day I think that people have to realize that or there is room there for the Kendrick Coles Joey's but at the same time you can throw in the X's you can throw in the little pump little Yachty the guys that just want to have fun with this and the Playboy Cardis and the guys that are not here to kill you lyrically and they will not and if you try to get into like a beef with them over that then I mean, I don't think anybody wins at that point. I guess I'll get off my soapbox on that. Freaks, if you want to add anything. I mean, that, that's probably my favorite part about today's today's genre of music. Today, like, when you talk about genres, you know, you're, you're typically talking about rap, you're talking about rock, and then there's different genres of music, obviously. And then I think for people that actually dive into hip-hop, realize that there are different genres of hip-hop. And I think today's type of music is a perfect example. Or you have guys like Joey Badass who are kind of like, give like an old school feel, same feel, same with uh, Kendrick Lamar. And then you have guys kind of like J. Cole who, I would, I don't, how would you describe J. Cole's, because I, I wouldn't say he's like an East Coast rap, kind of like what Joey Badass is. Like, he seems like East Coast kind of like, and then you, we talked about it earlier, the Jamaican vibes on some songs, but like, how would you describe J. Cole's? I mean, I think I he's definitely more East Coast, obviously. I mean, not just being from Carolina, but I think that is part of it. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, he definitely is a more um, thoughtful rapper and a thoughtful lyricist. And, honestly, it took me a little while to get into Cole just because he, he just had – he's different. He's got his own unique flavor, and I think that's what makes him great. And he almost, to me at least, he kind of has a Q-tip vibe to me a little bit, just in the fact that I think Cole is a better lyricist than Tip, but at the same time, they kind of – they kind of have similar vibes. They, they talk about similar things at times. Um, they kind of have just the same way of carrying themselves. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's just an interesting thing in hip-hop. And the fact that um, I mentioned it earlier on the off-the-record interview, Rob Markman, Rob Markman with Joey Badass, and they were kind of talking about the same subject. And the fact that um, Rob brought up the fact that Kid and Play, which a, a duo that how many people – thought to be, um, and they weren't, um, great lyricists, but they came up in the same time as a Rock Cam, a Big Daddy Kane, and those are two uh, opposite sides of the spectrum, but they're both accepted. People keep calling it a generation gap. That That's just an excuse, honestly, at this point. If you really look into it, this whole, whole different styles of hip-hop and how it's evolved over the last 40 years or so, there's always been different styles of people and people who just want to have fun and make party anthems and guys who really are just coming to cut you lyrically and stuff like that, like a Rock Hammer, Big Daddy Kane, or Into Hove, Biggie, and all that. I mean, with that, 
I guess we can move on to Joey's real come up into the rap game with his full commercial release debut album on Pro Era Records and, uh, and Cinematic Music Group, Before the Money, released on his 20th birthday, January 20th, 2015, debuted at number five on Billboard with the singles Big Dusty, Christ Conscious, Number 99, Curry Chicken, On and On, and Teach Me. And as we get into this album, Fricks, what was the first song that you remember hearing from this project? It was either Paper Trail or Christ Conscious, just because those are the most popular songs. But then, uh, I don't remember exactly which one came first, but those are the first ones I heard. And then it took me a little bit before I actually like listened to the album. Because the first album I actually listened to by Joey Badass was All American Badass. And then it kind of took me a few months before I actually listened to this this album as a whole. But then once I did, that's really what took me deeper into his music. Because I just kind of stuck with All American Badass for a little bit. But then like once I like went back to his older stuff, like that's really when I like was like, oh my god, like this guy is great. And this album really like helped pave that direction well then let's just get into it right here first track off the album which this was actually his first foray into what has become a very fruitful relationship with producer static selecta save the children which his opening verse or at least the i believe second half of it was a verse that he used on his double xl cypher uh starting with bees in the trap and just the fact that that, that honestly, kind of like we're talking about ASAP Rocky, Joey knows how to start a project, and I think he did a really good job on this one to kind of set the tone. Sonically and just um, lyrically, it's it's a maturation from 1999 to this project, and you can really see how Save the Children and just Before the Money, it's really Joey kind of coming into his own as an artist and kind of figuring out along with us what he wants to be about what he wants to sound like and just what what he wants to accomplish in the rap game yeah i mean it really helped launch his careers in entirety like being your your first album like like you want to start with something great like once you release an album that's when you're going like out into the world it almost seems like that's when people are going to start listening to you the most you're no longer considered an underground rapper and he really really put himself out like launched everything with this we were talking about 1999 was a great mixtape but then once this came out joey badass just went onto another height just because like it's it's a great album and being his first album being still so young at the time i mean it's just crazy to think that he had so much potential he still does being only 23 right mm-hmm. and it's ridiculous just how young he was and then how good this is being his first actual album. He comes out swinging with um, the wordplay. He even kind of comes into his own as he later calls himself on, on future songs and projects, the triple entendre monster. But um, we move on into the project, Greenbacks, Interlude, and then Paper Trails. Produced by DJ Premier, another Primo beat, uh, and Joey just really knows how to how to write on Primo beats. One of his more popular songs, obviously, one of the things kind of echoed throughout the track is "Cash Ruins Everything Around Me," 
an interpolation or play on the cash rules everything around me cream get the money dollar dollar bills y'all from wu-tang <laughs> but again as we've mentioned one of joey's most popular songs and i would probably say one of his better songs my favorite joey badass line just in general is the they say money is the root of all evil i see money as the root of all people like i just i love that line because like in some ways i i completely agree with it and that's one thing i love about this song is it kind of like talks about how money is just like people just glorify it and i think like that's what make that's a huge reason is what makes this song so so popular is because it's just so real just just kind of talking about how cash is kind of taken over society just the way that he starts this this track in his first verse yo sitting back plotting jotting information on my nation really started from the bottom boy cotton but they still playing plantations we keep buying in closed-minded men pride is higher than the prices on your pradas and balenciagas i mean again the wordplay and wordplay and joey is almost synonymous at this point and i think that he really did a great job of creating a more radio single but also had a cool message behind it and just a really great song honestly and then we go into the next track, Peace of Mind, which um, many people have said is similar to Nas's One Love and the fact that uh, Nas's One Love was more of a, a letter that he wrote to his friend in prison. And this is a song that Joey has dedicated to his friend in prison. There's even snippets on the track of him calling up a buddy of his. And it's just really kind of a, a touching song, kind of shows a different side of Joey. And then we get back into a track, Big Dusty, Another single off the album produced by Kirk Knight, which Kirk Knight really comes in his own sonically throughout this album and really kind of makes a name for himself. Uh, I'm just going to put it out there. This beat is so hard. I love the things that Kirk Knight does on this beat. I just love this song. It's, It's super, super aggressive, super in your face. Joey, again, has great lyrics and verses on this song. My flow spill with words you can't pronounce, stories you can't tell. It's just a really, really fun track. Yeah, that, that's one thing that I love about Joey Badass is because of the so many different things he's capable of doing. In like, like you were saying, like the beat is hard, and he goes in, and then he's also capable of doing so many different things. And I love when artists are able to do that and like make it work and pull it off because it just it makes them so much better, in my opinion. I love it. And this again, Big Dusty is just another song that feels like it it could have been made in like the late 80s early 90s definitely for sure just with the again the aggressive instrumental the breaks and just the fact that just the stuff that he's talking about the next couple songs here definitely more on the lighter side haziest view um, which kind of is the first delve into themes that joey kind of plays with throughout this album and all american badass and his spirituality He's not a self-professed Christian or anything like that, but he calls himself spiritual, not to be confused with the trope of more spiritual than lyrical that guys like Absol and whoever have delved into. But um, again, another Kirk Knight-produced track, um, talks about spirituality and he's rising the rap game. Silky smooth piano on the backing track of this. Another nice listen. And then we get into or the next track, which is just, I think, another highlight of this album, Like Me, featuring BJ the Chicago Kid. Produced by The Roots and Jay Dilla. Obviously, Jay Dilla not with us anymore, RIP. But originally, how this came about was 
Joey DM'd Questlove, who he is the drummer of The Roots. He DM'd him on Twitter and basically asked him if he wanted to use this Jay Dilla instrumental that had been used on a Roots song. Um, and basically Questlove hit him back with, well, do you just want us to record it anyway live? And so obviously you wouldn't say no to that. So they came through, did a great instrumental, and he actually was able to perform this on Jimmy Fallon later, which is which is a really cool performance with The Roots, obviously, being the house band on The Tonight Show. A really powerful and important song. BJ the Chicago Kid comes through as he normally does, talking about issues of police brutality and inequality, themes that Joey would later express ad nauseum on All-American Badass. He talks through different perspectives of the plights of the black male and just just African-Americans in America in general, and the last, the last verse is thought to be him and kind of how he sees America and kind of just how broken it is and kind of tries to shed a light on that. I think this arguably, at least up until this point in his career, might be his most important song that he's ever made. I think the most interesting part about this is so the last three songs that we've talked about are so different just because we're talking about goes hard, you know, then, then we get into the spirit, spirituality, but it kind of gives like a softer, more instrumentalized feel. And then there's this song, which gets very deep. It kind of keeps keeps the same instrument, not the same instrumental feel, but there's still like, it's more instrumental, it's slower, but it's extremely deep. And it's more telling of who Joey Badass is. Every artist should have at least one song like that, kind of that gives who they are, because it's just so personal for him. And I love when artists get personal and kind of like not really explain themselves, but just kind of show who they are as a person. That's one of my favorite things that artists do. And I think that's one of the best parts about this album and the fact that you really get a sense of who Joey Badass is as a man and as a rapper. And obviously, he's still in his formative years, even to this day. I mean, he made this album at the age, or this released on his 20th birthday. So the man is clearly not done improving as both a man and as, as an artist. Um, we move on to the next track, Billy the Beast, featuring Chronix, and whenever Chronix is on a beat with Joey, um, obviously that, those Jamaican vibes and roots are infused into that. It has some great lines on this one, um, one being, it's the Brooklyn sound, a profound, Biggie would be proud about, but I don't need a vet to even shout me out. Punchlines pack a Pacquiao, they can't box me out. Great lyricism there, moving on to another track, or another single rather, number 99, again, another track produced by Static Selecta. Listening to this one again, I I felt, I heard a familiar familiar bass line and some familiar sampling, and it, with some further research, I found out that this actually uses the same samples as the song Scenario from A Tribe Called Quest. Not, not, my, not my favorite Joey track, but definitely has a place in the album. And then we move on to Christ Conscious, which after these kind of slower tracks, comes back swinging, Christ Conscious, produced by Basquiat. And it's just one singular verse with a bridge and, and hook and an intro. But this is a verse that he's used a lot. Um, again, kind of talking about inequality in America for African Americans. And just another super aggressive song, On and On featuring Maverick Saver and Diamond Lewis, um, another ode to Steez. And then we get into a track that I think is interesting, um, Escape 120, obviously 120 being Joey's birthday and the release date of this project, produced by Chuck Strangers and featuring Rari. 
Chuck Strangers, that he says that this is his favorite beat that he's ever made for Joey, which I I don't blame him because um, it's it's a really kind of frenetic pace, but also just has a really good um, vibe and flow to it. Rory went full three stacks on his verse, um, which honestly many people, including myself, have um, likened Rory to Andre 3000 in the fact of the look. They're obviously being both from Atlanta and just how he's so heavily influenced by me even sounds like him in the same way that Action Bronson sounds almost entirely like Ghostface Killa. But first off, Fricks, have you listened to much of Rory outside of this track? Honestly, not very much. So, I mean, I mean, I hate think, on me all you want, baby. No, I'm not hating on you. He's kind of underground, and he's a guy that uh, really kind of has had, I don't want to say he's really had any mainstream success because I don't know if, a lot of people don't really know about him that well, but like songs like Devil's Whisper, God's Whisper, that type of thing. He's a multi-talented guy. Um, he's almost kind of got a Donald Glover feel to him a little bit, um, just because he can sing, he plays guitar, um, and he just, he is an incredible lyricist, honestly. Like truly, you can go back to his his double XL freestyles or um, just stuff that he spit on wax and even freestyles and like Sway in the Morning and stuff like that. But um, he really is an impressive guy that I think a lot of people, a lot more people should be listening to in the same way that I feel like more people should be listening to a guy like Vince Staples. Um, they kind of are both similar in that way where they're just making good music underground kind of that more people should be listening to. But no, this track in particular, I feel like it honestly depends on when I listen to it, whether I like it or not <laughs> in a way, because um, it's just so different from a lot of what Joey has made in the past. Um, this isn't Joey's most uh, lyrically scorching song, if you will. It's just kind of got a an interesting vibe to it, if you will. And this song is one of Chuck Stranger's favorite beats, and I see why, because, like, the beat on this song, it's not bad. And um, so, like, that that's probably my favorite part about this song. It's just the, the production on it. Um, like you were saying, like, it's not, like, a lyrically um, moving song. It's not, like, Joey Badass. It's just just went in and just went hard like it's nothing like that but i mean it's still like a pretty solid song and now that you've mentioned rory and then you mentioned a uh, donald glover so but now that you said that like i definitely have to give him a listen because as you know brayden i'm a big childish gambino guy obviously donald glover is one of the most talented people in entertainment right now so that's obviously a high bar to set but definitely check out the album um, that Rory released in October 2015, All We Need. Um, some great tracks in here. Obviously, the title track, Forbidden Knowledge featuring Big Crit, is a great, great song. CPU with RZA. Um, Devil's Whisper, as I mentioned. Crystal Express, one of his more famous singles. Trap Tears is another good one. Just uh, Rory's a guy to check out. Anyway, I digress. Um, <laughs> as we move on, Black Beatles and other Chuck Strangers produce beat. Talking about self-esteem and what the rap game is really like. I think that his second verse on this track is really um, a standout. Um, it kind of shows an interesting side of Joey and the fact where there's even some Eminem-esque self-deprecation on this song and kind of more of a look into what Joey actually feels like. He's not as braggadocious as, as he has been in the past and just kind of a great look inside of the artist of what Joey Badass is. Yeah, and like, earlier I was talking about how every artist should have like a song that kind of is very deep and emotional and this song is another just one of those songs and it's probably even more emotional just kind of how it's almost like 
he's talking about like his self-consciousness and like, just things like that in some ways it's something that a ton of people can relate to and i think that's what makes this song so great is because not only is it joey badass talking about himself and the problems he's faced but it's something that tons of people can relate to the second verse on this track the who would have thought a marching marching martin could spark a starving artist spit art at heart young marcus garvey i think that's one of the best verses joey's ever spit um and just talking about some important stuff that he um he he likes to touch on a lot and rightfully so move on to ocb stands for only child blues which has his mom sampled on the hook um curry chicken and produced by static selecta um i love the record scratches by static by static um kind of gives that old school vibe again it's an ode to his parents um fun fact is included on the creed soundtrack a great film with michael b jordan and then we move on to some bonus tracks um run up on you featuring action bronson and l varner um, it's a very old school vibe joey interpolates biggie on the second verse um action bronson has been hit or miss for me in the past really comes through on this track and then we finish off with teach me featuring Kezia. Um, produced by ASTR and Chuck Strangers. The beat's very similar to Esca- Escapes 120, which makes sense with Chuck Strangers on the production. Um, it's a fun, bouncy track, and that's um, Before the Money in a Nutshell. Frick's kind of the, the latter half of this album. Um, what what are your what are your thoughts on that? Um, I really, I think the latter half is honestly better than the, the first half, just because there's a lot of differences that come about, and it just seems like there's a like there's a period in time where there or there's a period on the album when it just seems like each song is different. I mean, we got number 99 which kind of hype like it's kind of like Joey kind of hyping himself up and it just leads the way into Christ Conscious, I think. And I think it's a perfect song to put right before Christ Conscious and it just kind of like leads into it. And then this bonus track that you just talked about run up on you. My favorite part about it is the fact that Joey and Action are two guys, in my opinion, that are really, really good at giving that old-school feel. And I'm kind of the same way with you, Brayden, that Action is very hit-and-miss for me. I mean, he's, like, a super funny guy and everything, and his show is hilarious, but I'm not, like, super big into his music. But when he comes through, I really respect what he does, and this is another one of the songs that he does come through. And then... um Obviously, we move on to Joey's most recent full-length project, All-American Badass, spelled in all caps, of course, America with three Ks, um, very similar to Ice Cube's debut um, album, America's Most Wanted, um, released on April 7th, 2017, debuted at number five on billboards with singles Devastated, Land of the Free, and Temptation. Um, Fricks, you've mentioned a lot how this was kind of your first foray into Joey Badass's music. Devastated, one of Joey's probably, I would say, arguably his biggest radio single. It, that thing was playing everywhere when it came out. Um, and, and it's rightfully so. It's a great song. We'll get to it later. But this album starts off, and it, he comes out swinging. The great thing about Joey and what he's done kind of throughout his whole career, he, he doesn't pull punches. He's not afraid to kind of just be out there with what he believes and he doesn't really care what you think, which I really respect a lot. And he starts out with the track Good Morning America, which is obviously a play on the morning show of the same name, produced by DJ Khalil, who who actually produces a couple or two or three tracks on this um, project. It's kind of the tone setter for the album, um, kind of has the theme of Stay Woke, 
basically. It has a line on there, oppress my oppressor, suppress the opponent, channel my ancestor, he wouldn't condone it. Um, kind of talking about how he believes that the the white conglomerate in America has kind of held back the black man and and just African Americans in general. And just kind of how, how messed up America kind of has become and how racism is still a thing, whether people admit that or not. And then he has a great sample at the end from the Sun Ra film, Space is the Place, a 1974 film that kind of just drives home that message and just kind of what he's going to be talking about on this album. And I think that this is just a really, again, just a good tone setter for what we're about to experience. Yeah, I 100% agree. It's kind of like this whole album kind of gives a running theme, and this is a great introductory into that. Just kind of like it kind of starts off with the topics that he's going to later like further talk about in the album and so that's what i really like about it. it's not like a hit song and i'm not going to say like it's a the greatest song he's ever made but like we've said multiple times like he knows how to start an album and this is a great introductory into the album and move on to another track produced by dj khalil for my people and again just kind of detailing police brutality and the everyday struggle of being black in america one of his better lines in there so i thank the lord when i wake up in the morn cause to inform the world is the reason i was born kind of again just drives home this point of inequality and just kind of basically this whole project um, th- even this early in the album is kind of just to make people aware of what's going on and just Joey's perspective, um, being a young black male growing up in America and what he's personally had to deal with and what he's also seen. Obviously, there have been um, many cases of police brutality um, afflicting young black men and women. Those are just themes that Joey touches on a lot. We move on to the next track, Temptation, produced by Adam Palin and Kirk Knight. Kirk Knight comes back. Great beat on this track, Temptation. One of the one of the singles on the album and might be my favorite beat on the album. Just kind of just a great great smooth instrumental. Um, opens with nine year old Ziana Oliphant's speech in court um, that she gave, that she testified with after the death of Keith Lamont Scott, who was a victim of police brutality. Joey has a great line on here. I just take the pain and paint a picture, and kind of playing off that sample and just what he's already talked about in the project. And Fricks, I mean, just to start off with. It's not really depressing. I mean, it is depressing in a way just to see that Joey is right. He's bringing up issues and topics that really just need to be talked about or else they'll be just shoved to the side as they have been for decades. But um, definitely a different vibe to anything he's created so that up until this point. And I love that you say that like it's not depressing because like this album, it like brings to light that these issues that he's facing, but like throughout it, you're not sad. Like, there's so many songs from this album that, like, really get you moving. But then at the same time, like, lyrically, like, he's talking about, like, a subject that's huge. And, like, in this song that we were just now talking about, Temptation, that, like, literally, he's trying to figure out, like, why, like, why skin color really determines anything. And I love the fact that he can talk about these issues and still make good music behind it. Like, that's just it's extremely impressive to me and there's not it just it doesn't seem like there's very many people that are capable of doing that so i love that he's one of those guys and that's another reason i love joey badass so much although 1999 and before the money were both great albums this one just seems to take a whole different turn 
it's shown that he's like matured incred an incredible amount and it's just shown I don't, I don't even know how to describe it. it's just it's so it's different but it's not like it's not like a Kanye West different where he took like a whole different turn like it's a different album than what he's made in the past but it's still kind of it's the same Joey badass feel mm -hmm. for Joey to take a Kanye turn a lot of things <laughs> would have to change in his life very quickly uh, um, but we move on to another single that really did pretty well commercially, Land of the Free, again, produced by Kirk Knight and Adam Palin, really just hits home kind of with the mass incarceration of, of um, African Americans in America. And he was talking to Kirk Knight about the beat for this track. He wanted a juicy vibe, not necessarily to sample juicy, but kind of have to want to have that feel to it, to be like more of an upbeat track, but really have a powerful message at the same time. Verse two is probably the standout for me. Genius even did a verified breakdown of it that was really well done. And I just think that this is one of the best songs on the album and just really is one of Joey's best, I don't want to say attempts, but one of Joey's best um, songs and efforts to kind of um, drive home the message he's trying to get across. As I mentioned earlier, this being kind of the song that really introduced me into Joey Badass. It's one of my favorite songs by him just because of like that simple fact. I think I said it last week how like when there's a song that introduces me to an artist, I really, really like like it kind of makes that song better. And this is one of those songs that it just it seems to make it better simply because it really introduced me to him. But like I don't want to get like political, but like you almost kind of have to with this song just because that's what he's talking about. And like I almost agree with a lot of the things that he's saying that like the whole like Obama thing in like in eight years you know you cannot solve racism like it's an ongoing problem that might never end but then he kind of goes into saying that how our current president Donald Trump like he, d he doesn't feel that he's the best option in order to solve the racism issue and I just I love the fact that he he kind of mentions the fact that it's just this is an issue that's been around for so long but it just seems that like it's never gonna stop like it's never gonna stop like no matter what he feels like that the black man is never going to be he's not he's not going to be he doesn't have as many rights as the white man and that's just a huge topic that it's kind of really runs through the whole album but on this song in particular it really like he really brings that whole topic out and so i think that's another thing that just makes this song so great when you think about the theme on this album, this is the perfect song to point to. Yeah, definitely. I think this really is a, a standout track. And next track, Devastated, again, I think that this is probably his most commercially, one of his most commercially successful songs. Um, I love being a huge Outkast fan. I love the Spody Odie Doublelicious sample. He has incredible flow on this song. One of the best flows I, I've heard from Joey Badass. Um, as the kids say, I would just say I would say this is just a bop. Uh, <laughs> really cool to in infuse that message with a more radio-friendly song. It shows that you can go commercial and still not be a sellout. So there you go. Next track, "Why You Don't Love Me," a Miss America song about a jilted lover um, in the relationship between Joey and um, America. Um, samples "If I Was Your Girlfriend" by Prince, and really just a nice uh, a love song, and also just kind of 
shows the disconnect um, between um, African Americans in America and just the things that he personal, both he personally and other people have gone through. And then we get to one of my favorite, or one of the really standout tracks on the album, Rock of I Baby featuring Schoolboy Q. This song just slaps. Uh huh. Q came through again. He might. He's probably my favorite feature on this album. Again, it touches on police brutality and inequality. Talk about gang violence and of the theme of the gangs kind of um, should be shifting from instead of going against each other, going to kind of protect the inner city communities because originally that's what they were kind of set out to do. Again, Fricks, this is just. I, I mean, I would classify this as a banger. A hundred percent. The biggest thing that I love about this song is that although they they made like an absolute slapper, at the same time, they make a reflection on themselves and their past and kind of talk about like what they have gone through in their life. But then they kind of bring it back to what's happening right now. And like you were saying, the whole gang affiliation and how like it's all becoming united now. And so that's a huge thing I love about this song that you can turn it up full volume you know just listen to the whole song in your car just driving down the road windows down just banging but then at the same time like there's still a deep meaning behind the song and that's another thing that Joey Badass is so great at doing is not only is good at making good music but putting a deep meaning behind it and then I also loved how you were saying that this is one of if not Schoolboy Q's best features because I'm in a hundred percent agreement with you that it's just he just starts off in this song just great the I'm part of the reason they still cripping out in Brooklyn like I love that line and then he just continues it and so like you were saying I I'll completely agree that this is one of his best features that he's ever done I love when people can make a great feature we're gonna get further into that schoolboy Q right now he's been having some great um, consistency in the features, I think. And he, he comes through again this time. We obviously talked about him a lot on the ASAP Rocky episode. And then, again, on the next track, Ring the Alarm, which this is kind of a break in the middle of the album from from all the talks about police brutality and equality in America. This is honestly just a fun song. It Like, there's no, there's no real deeper meaning. It's literally just about whack rappers and whack MCs. Um, Ring the Alarm featuring fellow pro-era members Nick Caution and Kirk Knight, and then Michi Darko from um, Flatbush Zombies, which they love to collaborate with Joey, and they usually create um, great content there. Um, another banger, another great Joey verse, and Michi Darko comes through on the on the um, uh, hook. And just overall, um, I think all these guys um, really helped create a great song. This is probably the first collab that I heard between Flatbush and Joey. And then once you get further into like their, all their collabs, like you're right that they make great songs together and I, I love how like we have the one common theme throughout this whole album and then this song just completely like it's completely different like it's just all about calling out today's rap game and like the lack of lyricism and all of that so that's the biggest reason i love this song is just the complete shift that it took definitely and i think it's really fun when all these east coast guys can collab as we kind of mentioned on the on um, last week's podcast but we move back in, kind of back into the theme, if you will, um, with Super Predator featuring um, Styles P from The Locks, which another beat produced by Static Select, a great instrumental on that. Joey has some great lyrics in the back on this. They say, I'm a clumsy king, way I be dropping jewels. 
it's talking about helping to break the stereotypes of black youth in the fact of that term super predator, which has been used everybody from politicians like Hillary Clinton and everybody in between about how um, the youth, black youth of America has been described as super predators. Um, there's a great interpolation of Kick in the Door by Big E on this track and Styles P. The more you listen to this, the more you realize that Styles P came through with a great feature on this track. Yeah, I was going to say that I personally, I think you could make the argument that his verse was better than Joey's. I, I think that he really, really did come through with that verse, the second verse of the song. And although Joey's, I'm not saying that Joey's were bad, it's just that's how good his were. And this is another song that probably, I wouldn't say it got me into Styles P because I'm not like, I'm not big listening. You're not a huge Locks guy? Yeah, like I don't like listen to a lot of his music. But this is kind of, this is the song that really, like, introduced me to his music and kind of made me, like, research a little bit more. And so that's another thing that I love about this song. And another thing that when, like I mentioned earlier, when a rapper can make a good feature, like, I love it when, like, people are capable of doing that. Like, it's an underappreciated art, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, I would I would agree with that. But, um... Again, move on to Babylon um, featuring Chronics. Definitely back into that those Jamaican vibes, Jamaican roots, um, which Joey has obviously going back to his his upbringing. But Chronics, who's the who's the feature on this track? Again, verse two, which for some reason that's a theme with Joey, where just on that second verse of songs, and he he just really came through with this one, and just. Just I feel like this one is one of the more underlooked tracks, but um he just comes out swinging on this second verse, mother effort. It's the J O Z I F B A D M O N. Come on, bring them ends on in. I'm on the upside now. You can turn them M's upside down. We about to win. There's an L on the other side of him. I mean, again the wordplay is back and just um great job of driving home the message. And then I would assume your favorite song. Uh, is the next one, um, Legendary, featuring J. Cole. Static Selecta comes through. Um, just a funny, I doubt this was, was a coincidence, or maybe it was, um, the fact that they all were born in the month of January. But um, Cole came through, as he normally does. Um, they're talking about legends in the rap game, inner peace, just being a G. An MC Ren lyric is interpolated on the hook. Just another shout-out. One of the number of shout-outs that Joey has in this project of um, to older artists and just the homages that he um, has played and what he's done throughout his whole career. Um, this is just a smooth track, I'd say. You know me so well, saying mm-hmm. it's probably my favorite track on the album, because it is, and Braden probably already knows why, and easily because of J. Cole, favorite artist. But uh, another thing I wanted to mention is that since I've already been talking about people that featured on a song i personally now this might be a hot take i don't know where people stand oh i think that j cole is better when he's featured on a song than his actual songs mm. and that that's mm. here's why this is an interesting like take. have you you I know mean, you're gonna you bring up I'm, you're gonna bring you up boss. already know i'm oh gonna gosh, bring up i boss. swear this guy's like night drop the greatest <laughs> thing ever okay like when his features with boss are just Boz truly brings out the best in J. Cole. Oh, man. And I'm... <laughs> now you got me distracted. I mean, but... listen, Night Job is a great song. 
and I mean, and like I get it, but at the same time, I to re- say I do really that he hype is him better, up. like I hype him 2014 up a lot. Forest Hills Drive, there were no features on that, and that's it's Cole's, a great that's Cole's best album. It's a great album. See, that's the thing. I don't know. So it's you don't just, think that's his best no. album? Well, his albums aren't fe- like he's when he does features. You know, he doesn't. He doesn't no, 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 no. I understand that. I'm saying. So you said you think Cole is better on a feature than on his own songs. Do you in most cases? In well, most I'll re- cases, in, I'll, say, I'll reword it in most cases. Okay. And that because I'm like, no I feel role like models is the best thing that he's ever created. But that's what I'm saying. And like their album is glorious. Some of his best work is on that yeah. album, I think. So, so I, I don't know. I'll say that in most cases. Going back to the subject at hand, which is Joey Badass, I think that this song really brings out the, in most cases, best of J. Cole. Oh, my. <laughs> um, the qualifier. <laughs> you mentioned how it kind of, like, it's kind of a smooth feel to this song. And the, the whole idea of inner peace, that's another reason that I love J. Cole, because that's uh, something that, like, he talks about a lot and something that I personally would relate to, trying to find that inner peace. And this song is another prime example of that. And so that's another reason that I love this song, is just the meaning behind it. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely a standout. I always find it really, really cool when Cole jumps jumps onto a track. He even said, which this clearly has not been the case, as he's done multiple since, but he said this would be his last feature he'd ever do, which I don't know who actually believed that. Um, he really, again, as we mentioned earlier, this was kind of to make up, not really to make up, but like to fulfill the deal of using the Waves beat um, on False Prophets. But again, this is just, just a really smooth, really great track. And then we come into the ultimate track, or the final track, rather, American Idol, produced by DJ Khalil once again. This is really where Joey does not pull any punches at all. Um, he... He has a line on here, assimilate our history, then made it a mystery. Now they all inherit our bittersweet history, or bittersweet victory, rather. Um, and then there are there's dead president shout-outs, Ode to Nas and Jay-Z. And then the last verse, he basically is just talking to the people and just how they're, he's calling for a revolution that apparently will be televised. Um, there, there are even parts of him cutting out to kind of show that um, America has um, tried to censor him. And stuff like that and this is really probably the most overtly political song that he's ever created and probably ever will create i think it's almost kind of shows bravery be just being able to get get out there and just call out the government as a whole call out like the stereotypes and everything i think another cool thing to mention about this song it was released on the very last day of american idol like the last show american idol mm. show so I think that's just kind of cool because, you know, the song's called American Idol. It just shows his bravery, I feel like. And it honestly probably is an overlooked song on the album just because there's so many great songs on this album. But this song should be included in one of those great songs because it goes back to that theme of calling out America as a whole. And this one's calling out the government. I don't know. It just it really shows kind of the bravery that he's going for and. I mean, just imagine, like, the amount of confidence he would have to create this album and then the amount of confidence he would have to create American Idol itself. This album, for lack of a better term, and especially this song, took a lot of balls to to um, create, really, honestly. It really is telling of its time. I think it will age well. 
definitely feels like an album that is like a time capsule, if you will, of this history, which I think is what great albums do. I'm not saying this is his best album, but it's, it might be his most impactful and most important album that he, cre- that he at least has created so far. Um, Frick's final thoughts on All American Badass. The fact that Joey was 21, 22 when he made it is amazing. And the fact that this guy's only 23 now, I don't know, just the fact that he can make an album like that, that meaningful and that, I don't know, just kind of calling out everything. And I think it there, there will be some impacts from it in hip-hop music and just for how young he was, like, we talk about guys that like Kendrick Lamar making albums that change rap music. Like, to Pimp a Butterfly. Yeah, and how how old is he now? What, 30, 31. 31. But we talk about a guy that like Kendrick Lamar that's doing that. Joey Badass is doing the same thing, but almost 10 years younger. And I think that is just a testament to who he is and who he can become. Uh, this album came in the middle of um, kind of a political resurgence if you will because hip-hop has been very political i mean you can go back to public enemy and um even uh, back into the 80s like the rap and nwa especially rap has always been political and this has kind of been a resurgence you could even go to um from the more uh colloquial versions of like a f donald trump from like a yg or um a to pimp a butterfly all american badass that type of thing and it's it's cool to see um Joey kind of being a representation of the youth of America and the fact that this next generation that we're a part of, too, because Joey's not much older than us, that we have a voice and we should be heard. And the fact that even though he's younger, he has a right to say the things that he says. And I think he talks about a lot of important things that still haven't been resolved. I mean, obviously, this album is just about a year and a half old, but still, I think that we should be going back to um, bodies of work like this to kind of... um, learn and try to progress as a society another great i guess feature if you will of um, joey's career has been his features that he has been on um even dating back to 2013 with bird's eye view on static selectas um album extended play featuring raekwon and black thought two of the greatest mcs of all time i would say talked about one train a lot um and also the spark which is on another um Static Selecta album um, featuring Action Bronson, um, Slum Villain, uh, another Static Selecta project. Basically, whenever he collaborates with Static Selecta, it's usually fire. <laughs> Golden Era on Prime One, which Prime, please be listening to Prime if you're not already. That's um, Primo and Royce to Five Nine. Had a great verse on Zenith on Denzel Curry's project in 2016. Had a great 2017 on Ain't a Damn Thing Change, another Static Selecta song featuring G Easy and Anissa, which. G-Eazy somehow didn't ruin that song, surprisingly. <laughs> um, even though um, at the beginning you hear Young Gerald, which makes me want to cry. Um, what Happens, we've, we've talked about in the past on Cozy Tapes 2. Riviera on ASAP 12E's um, um, album 12. And then this year he's had some solid tracks as well. Vacation on Flatbush Zombie's latest project. Um, the Mood on Smoke Dizz's project. And Little Ignorant uh, with a- IDK and Russ. Which, we say are not what supporters you, of Russ. Say what you will about Russ. I think he has some decent songs, but at the same time, he is kind of a culture vulture. But anyway, Fricks, 
of those lists or any others that you that you have off the top of your head, um, what what kind of has stood out to you and Joey's features? Definitely, obviously, One Train. That's probably the first song I've ever, well, not by him, but the first time I ever heard Joey Badass, just because I'd already been listening to ASAP Rocky prior. But um, Zenith, I love Denzel Curry, and. He has quite possibly the album of the year, yes. by the way. Go listen to Taboo. <laughs> Please. I mean, I love Denzel Curry. I love that song. I, I do like how you mentioned the Ain't a Damn Thing change. Um, how you mentioned the G-Eazy didn't ruin that song because it's like I'm kind of right there with you. I mean, not a big G-Eazy fan, but, I mean, you know, he didn't, he didn't ruin that song like you said. But then uh, Vacation, that's actually probably – one of my top, I want to say top five Flatbush Zombie songs, and a big reason for that is Joey Badass. Sorry, sorry, Brayden. I have to throw this one out there. Mm. Infinity Eight Eight Eight. I don't know. I I just I. It's love not a bad that. song. It's I love that song. song. I I really like how it just kind of starts off with them like talking almost, and then Joey Badass just kind of like gets into the groove of the beat, and then. You know, you can say what you want about X and all that. I will fully 100% admit that he does a lot of mumble rapping in that song. But I think that Joey Badass, he makes a great verse in that song and a great introduction for that song. And I think he's another, Joey's another one of those guys that's really, really good at doing a feature. He doesn't have... I don't want to say he has a ton of features... Like, there's a lot of guys that, you know, J. Cole has so many features. I mean, there you can name a number of guys that have a ton of features. But Joey, like, when he does do features, I mean, he really does come through. I mean, yeah. I think that um, one of the first uh, tracks with Joey on it that I ever heard was Bird's Eye View um, with Raekwon and Black Thought. And it w- it's really interesting because he definitely, obviously, he sounds a lot younger since I was five years ago. But, um he really um, held his own. And that was really the song that kind of stood out to me and thought, like, whoa, this, guy is in t- is, this guy's got something. Because um, this was before I heard 1999, before I heard um, Before the Money and all that stuff. Um, he, he's sitting, he was on a track with Raekwon, um, obviously from his fame with Wu-Tang um, and the Purple Tape, and Black Thought, who I think is one of the greatest MCs of all time. I don't care what anybody else thinks about that, but Tariq <laughs> Trotter's incredible. Um... And he, he held his own with those two giants of the rap game, and that's when I realized that Joey Joey has the potential to be one of the greats, at least of this generation. Um, Zenith really stood out to me. Golden Era, I just love it when Joey gets on a, on a primo beat. Um, and yeah, Vacation is really um, a, a fun song. I love Zombie Juice's um, hook on it. Um, and, and just, I, lo- I, I just think Flatbush Zombies is underrated, and, and they're just always great when they collab with Joey. Um, Little Ignorant, I think, is a is a is a really cool song, and again, I don't think Russ ruins that song. I think he has a fine verse, because here's the thing about Russ. I think he's a he's a decent rapper. Like the art of rapping and technically, I think he's not bad. People just give him crap because of the stuff he says, which rightfully so for a lot of it. Um, and like I said earlier, I think he's a bit of a culture vulture, but um, and he's he's kind of a. He's kind of fake in some in some ways. That Drake, I think, is fake in some ways. But um, this isn't an indictment on Russ. This is more about Joey. But um, again, I think that I think that Joey really comes through, and I think he he is um, one of the better uh, features right now. But um, 
that's what we have for Joey Badass. Um, one of the one of the best um, of this new generation of hip hop, and really kind of championing the boom bap, and also one of the best examples of being accepting of the um, newer generation, which also helps being that he's a part of that generation. Um, but Joey Badass, great artist, great rapper, and seems like a cool guy. I would say that if you are someone that has grown up in this generation of rap music and you don't like the trap music, you know, guys like all the Littles, all Playboy Cardi, you know, those guys. Smoke Perp. Yeah. <laughs> if you d- are not a fan of the trap music and you don't listen to Joey Badass, I mean, you really have to listen to Joey Badass because his potential is ridiculous. He has made some great music. And like I was saying, if you're not a fan of the trap music, then you have to you have to put your hope in Joey Badass. Guys like him, like he can really make a change in hip-hop music. Well, that'll be it for this episode of Hip Hop History. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. Yonder.